Hi, this is Marta. Welcome to the podcast Invisible to Visible, where our goal is simply to make women more visible. We will meet once a month and discuss everything and anything that impacts a woman's day-to-day life. So let's talk, explore and ask many, many questions. In the world that strives to be more equal, why does it sometimes feel that when it comes to different laws and legislation, family life and the big corporate world, women are still often invisible? Well, grab a cup of coffee or tea, depends on your preference, and let's start. Hi, Janet. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thank you. I'm so happy for you to be here. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this is such an unusual situation. Such, because such a long time listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we know each other so well and we often chat um, about some feministic issues and this yeah. time we just go into press record before we just have one of those chats, that's all. Um, So obviously, I know your background quite well, but maybe you can tell us a little bit more. What is your background? Sure, because you asked me to write a bio for myself. And (laughs) um, like Marta knows me, so she knows that there is nothing I hate more than trying to like write about my accolades. So I'll be very brief. And so I first started, um, I suppose, studying and, and working in HR back in 2007, which seems like an awfully long time ago now. Um, and I have been working full time in HR since 2015. Um, yeah, and so I'm, I'm currently for the last, well, as long as Marta has known me nearly, I have been working in a head of HR role. Um, so that's like strategic HR, operational HR. Um, and yeah, that's, so that's it in a nutshell. And I like it to be in a nutshell, right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself too long. That that's okay. We'll leave it at that. And you recently also came back from your holiday in Spain. How I did. Spain? Yes. So just to clarify, because there's a difference between going to Spain and going to Ibiza. So. All oh, right. Okay. Which one did you go to? <laughs> Ibiza. Oh, this. So Ibiza okay. is in Spain, but Ibiza is not like the rest of Spain. Um, okay. And so there, Never there's been. there's people. I, I Marta, it's not your scene. <laughs> so that's how everyone knows janet knows me well um it is abitha is i mean people who know abitha will know it's like wild and party all night kind of thing which might not marta's probably surprised it doesn't seem like it would be me either it is me for really small doses um and (laughs) it was i am celebrating a big birthday this year and i have not been to abitha in a decade so this was me and my friends treat for our uh, big big number birthday oh amazing happy birthday <laughs> so i know myself and kira were talking and kira uh, is our good friend our mutual friend and kira is like uh, yeah great for janet i am not jealous at all not jealous <laughs> at all and i'm like yeah no no me neither not jealous at all and we're like oh my god we would kill to be in spain maybe not in Ibiza, but in spain um so great you had a good time um, and we're here today to talk about gender pay gap and gender pay gap report mm-hmm. um, and to be honest when I decided to do this episode on the gender pay gap I was like well yes so women earn less than men for doing the same job and let's talk about it now as it turns out there is more to it um, and when I was doing research 
yes, there is much more to it. But especially about the gender pay gap reporting that companies need to are required to do that uh, to do now at least some of the companies. When I was doing the research in preparation for this episode, I realized that the report highlights slightly different issues, not necessarily assesses the difference between what women and what, what men earn while doing the same or a very similar job. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to this conversation. And there's just one thing that I want to read. It, it, it is such a good intro for the rest of our conversation. So there's uh, just a few sentences here. And I, uh, yeah, and I suppose start on this one. Uh, so RTE on February 28th published that, and I'm assuming it's February 28th, 2023. Analysis and the report says analysis of up to 500 firms based in Ireland that published gender pay gap reports in in December has found a mean gap of 12.6%. And we will explain what mean gap means. Now, the report then says the analysis carried out by PwC Ireland discovered that the widest pay gaps are in the finance. That's very interesting because that's where I am. So uh, that's in finance, banking, insurance, legal and construction sectors. The lowest gaps were recorded in retail, health and charity organizations. Overall, 87% of companies disclosed a gender pay gap in favor of males. That's 87%, with 71% showing a gender pay gap above 5%. Now, 48% of companies disclose a gender pay gap above the most recent national average, which is 11.3%. And the the disclosures are, the the disclosures also include bonus data, which collectively shows that 82% of companies paying a bonus disclose a bonus gap in favor of males. So there you go. That's, That's the summary of those of, <laughs> of, of those reports that were published in December uh, for last year. And I suppose the report then carries on that the exact reason for gender pay gap varies by sector uh, and company, but a key factor appears to be that a relatively high number of males are in more senior and so more highly paid roles. And I think that's the highlight, that's what the reports uh, mm-hmm. mainly kind of shows. So let's start from the beginning. First thing first, Janet, can you tell us what is the gender pay gap report? Who needs to do it? By when? Give us a little bit of overview. Okay. Before I start, um, I want to rewind a little bit because what okay. you said there at the start was that it looks at men and women being paid differently for the same work. And that is not what the gender pay gap is. So the gender pay gap, so men and women being paid differently for the same work is unequal pay. And that is illegal. And that's illegal in most Western countries. Like I'm not experienced in HR outside of Ireland, but that in most European countries, actually in all it's European law, um, it is illegal to pay men and women different amounts of money for the same work. So the gender pay gap doesn't really look at that. What the gender pay gap looks at is the difference in lifetime earnings for men and women over time. So like, like you talked about there, like men ending up in more leadership positions. If, and that was interesting. You called out the sectors where that was an exception being retail charity and healthcare, which we know like those, those are yes. underpaid areas of business 
where women are in the majority, you know, you go into a supermarket, it, you know, serving on the tills, yes. it's mostly women, charity sector, healthcare sector. I would, I'm surprised education is not in that because again, education is really heavily female dominated. Um, so, so the gender pay gap is different to, to equal pay. The gender pay gap looks at the disparity in earnings over a lifetime. And that's why it factors in bonus because, because bonus is a huge part of your lifetime earnings. Um, and it's a, a huge part of like what you pay in in taxes, in your PRSI and all of that, because obviously your PRSI is calculated on your entire net pay. And in the month you get your bonus or however your bonus is constructed, your bonus is included in that as well. So I suppose it's it, that's an important distinction to make is that it is a big picture thing, because very often when people critique the gender pay gap they're like well that's not real you know if that was true if women were paid less than men everywhere then why wouldn't everybody just hire women and i'm like yes why wouldn't everyone just hire women (laughs) um but so it is it is more around and it's i suppose it's a it's maybe a harder problem to solve than unequal pay because it is rooted in I mean, there's historical reasons for this, you know, like if we go back to like even Ireland in the 70s, women had to give up their jobs when they're married. And that's like, you know, if you're young now, that probably seems like a really long time ago, but that's not actually that long ago. ago. It's only 50 years ago. And so women in the public sector had to give up their jobs. So it stands to reason that now there are not an awful lot of women in very senior positions Mm. because it has taken an awful long time for to get to a point where, you know, I mean, women at that time couldn't even have their own PPS number. So, you know, it's, there is a, a deficit, you know, women weren't starting at zero. If, you know, yeah. we weren't starting at the same starting point. Um, mm-hmm. Women were starting further back and have more ground to make up in less time. And that is the, the reason for the gender pay gap. And, the reason I suppose we look at the gender pay gap reporting so it is more to address you know how can we fix those problems into the future and it like it's a tool like any other reporting mechanism and I don't know if there is a perfect reporting mechanism but Mm -hmm. it is a mechanism and I think like like most problems the first step to solving a problem is acknowledging there is a problem um and the gender pay gap report is what helps us do that. Okay. And who, what companies, does all companies need to do it or you need to be a certain size, don't you? You do. So if you, from when it was brought in last year, all companies with 250 employees or more were required to report. So they had to pick okay. a snapshot date in June and had to report within six months of that date. So if they picked 1st of June, they had to report by 1st of December. If they picked 30, 30th of June, 30th of December and so on. And um, this, sorry, next year, the companies of 150 people will be brought into that. So between 150 and 250. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following year, it will be companies uh, 50 plus. Um, so that's going to cast a, a pretty wide net. They they don't have a timeline for companies smaller than 50 people yet. Um, okay. Because I think, you know, a lot of companies that are smaller than 50 are, are substantially smaller than 50 people. Yes. And I mean, you could probably work out their gender pay gaps in maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's an yeah. easier exercise. Um, but for now, the mandatory reporting is for those size of companies. And I believe at some point later this year, they're expecting, well, I guess it's the public sector. So 
we won't hold mm. our breath, but that there will be a centralized reporting system. So people, so companies, when they complete the report, will submit it to a government system where anybody can go and look this up. But for the moment, they're only required to pu- pu- publish it on their own websites. And what about companies who are between operating between few countries so if they have let me say this year if they operating between two or three countries within europe and in ireland only had 200 employees but overall they might have 500 does it mean that it has to be in the country or overall as a you know as a parent company how many employees is overall in that corporation companies in a group structure are it's a little bit of a gray area so technically and legally they only have to report if they so an employee is somebody who's contracted to that company and to that specific entity so like if you have your your company is based in ireland and it's 200 and Mm -hmm. you know in germany they have maybe 500 employees and somewhere else in europe they have like 10,000 employees they can opt in and, yes. and and they may fall under gender pay gap reporting obligations in their other territories, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily fall under the Irish reporting um, obligations. Um, but they will. I mean, everybody will at at some point. But no, not yeah. they don't have to. It's it's if they're touching that number and the rest of their people are outside of the jurisdiction, then no. Like it's sure it's optional for them at that point. So there are three metrics. Uh, within that report um, so when I was doing my research I understood there are there is a mean pay gap the median pay gap and the quartiles quartiles am I pronouncing well that's where my English being my second language kicks in I was like before this call I was like Janet how do I read this (laughs) and again you told me I was able to say it before the call but of course on the call I'm like oh oh I can't read this so how do I read a quartile? Yeah, quartile. There you go. I'm doing well. Okay. So can you just give us a little bit more overview of what that means? Because anyone who reads the report, and that's what happened when I started to read this, read, uh, when I started to read the report, I was like, you know, what does that actually mean? That mean gap sure. of 12.6%. Yeah. Um, so now this is a little bit complicated. So if I lose you, let me know. So okay. basically... What you do is you take your entire team. So let's say for argument's sake, and I know this wouldn't fall under the reporting requirements, but let's say we have a team of 20 people. Okay. And I'll just make sure I know what a quarter of 20 is. <laughs> so it's you, fine. I know. I'm, ask, I'm, ask the accountant. <laughs> I'm not in finance, but I do know what 20 divided by four is. So you would look, you would put everybody into a spreadsheet. They're their name, their gender, obviously, because you want to find out where that falls, um, their pay rate. And if they're if they're salaried employees, you're going to have to break that down into their hourly pay, pay rate. And then you're going to sort it by the hourly pay rate. So then the the lowest four will be mm-hmm. your lower quartile, or your lowest five <laughs> will be the <laughs> lower quartile. Um, your, the next group is the lower middle. The next group okay. is the upper middle and the next group is the upper quarter. So then then, you know, these are your bands of your your lower quarter as your lowest, your your people who are paid the the lowest rate by the mm-hmm. hour. Um, 
then the next is the, the next lowest and, and then the people who are paid at the top. So that tells you the quartiles and what the quartiles will tell you is the distribution of, I suppose, power and mm-hmm. um, salary within your team. So like you listed some companies there and the that the majority of them, the men were were better represented in the upper quartile. And before this, uh, before we started recording, I had I pulled out a few reports. I'm not going to name and shame companies, um, <laughs> although they've put it on on their own websites. Like this is this is publicly available information. So I picked some from like retail, healthcare, mm-hmm. um, the public sector, the private sector, um, and education. And in the majority of those instances, the upper quartile is heavily populated by men. Mm-hmm. So they so they are required to report and say like. You know, our upper quartile is like 60% men, 70% men, you know, 50. And most of them that I've seen are over 50%. Um, and then in the the opposite end of the scale, the inverse is true. The opposite end of the scale, the lower paid, the lower quartile does tend to heavily skew more towards women. And those exceptions are the ones that we talked about earlier. So like retail, healthcare, probably childcare. Um, yeah. So, you know, more female dominated professions um, will be the yeah, inverse I, of that. Yeah, I, I actually did exactly the same exercise. I pulled some of the reports. Now, when I was searching for companies, I, I did because finance is the is the industry that I'm in. Mm just automatically finance companies came to my mind so I've, I've googled a little bit more in that finance banking area and like that I, I it's quite visible that the bottom quartile it's usually like 50 50 45 50 which would 45 to 55 it would mm. just indicate like you know at that recruitment pr- uh, stage when people coming out of the college early stages of career there is the balance is there it's really if it's not 50 50 it's close to it mm. now as in the same company, so we're still on the same company, once we move up the quartals, you can see that that balance changes from like 50-50 to 80-20, 70-30. It's very, very visible, mm-hmm. which would indicate that obviously women are not being promoted as often, or maybe when we're hiring and the senior leadership positions, we, we, we're hiring more men because there is no other way for this to shift in that direction. Yeah. That must be around the, around the those two reasons I suppose yeah and I would say also some of that is the deficit that we talked about earlier that Mm. you know like you know in in the 80s and 90s it wouldn't have been common to have females in senior positions or moving up the ranks so you know if those women weren't there 20 years ago at the bottom level they're not going to be at the top level now you know they're absent from it and so some of it is that and some of it is definitely men being hired and women not being considered or women taking career breaks and then you know maybe choosing to work part-time or whatever yeah and that kind of tipping the scales um for them absolutely but i i do think with that generational thing you've mentioned i think we kind of passed that point because a lot of people so a lot of kind of senior leaders that i see Okay, they might be a little bit older than me, but they're not that much older than me. Do you know what I mean? And there's mm. a lot of, you know, we both were in a company where we were both in a senior leadership team. So um, I suppose, you know, that idea of in the 80s, woman wearing, but I think that kind of passed a little bit a while ago. 
Um, but people who are in, say, their mid to late 50s now and 60s yeah, were starting their careers in the 80s. Yeah. You know, so like it, it is, it is, I think we're definitely coming to the end of that being mm-hmm. a reason or an excuse, but I do think it's, and like, just because that's, that is no longer the case doesn't mean the mindset that created that is gone. Right. Like yeah. there's a thing of, right. There is more women around now, but, but those people still have the mindset of like, when I was coming up, there were no women, you know, they, you know, they still have yes. this perception of this is a man's job. This is a man's yeah. business. A man is not yeah. going to go off and have kids and whatever. Yeah. Like there is still that perception and perception and societal change takes way longer than like legislative change yeah and and so so that's what the quartile is and what about the mean pay gap and median pay gap so the mean is just the average so the 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 mean is just averaging like going back the step before you split everybody into quartiles literally averaging that sorry i'm saying it like as if if we're all working through it in an excel sheet in my mind (laughs) Um, is like literally just averaging that that column in your Excel sheet sure. and finding out what the average is. Um, sorry, finding out what the average for the women is, finding out mm-hmm. what the average is the, the men is, and then your your mean is the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your median is picking the middle woman and the middle man and what the difference between those two is. Yeah. Okay. I, I just find it very interesting because I really, really went before I start doing research. Um, this um, I really thought the gender pay gap reporting is on something else and I only when I start reading it and I think there is quite a misconception there is, is there a misconception does people understand what the gender pay gap reporting mm-hmm. is and I know probably in your world because you deal with a lot of HR people but sure you know, from oh, but uh, like anyone who is not person. in HR yeah yeah the average person I mean without like... a doubt without a doubt HR professionals understand it I'm just wondering <laughs> does everyone else understands it I don't think so I don't think it's a common understanding like I you know forays into social media or comment mm. sections or reddits or subreddits will tell you that like most people don't understand it because most people rightly or wrongly conflate it with equal pay yeah, or they what I did. throw things out like and something we probably should mention back into like the analysis of it is that part-time workers are considered separately okay. so that's another thing that that often gets thrown out as a critique well like obviously men and women are get paid differently like you're not going to compete compare the wages of like the ceo to mm-hmm. like a part-time office manager I'm like, yes. well, no, you're not, but you are going to compare to the other part-time workers. And so, mm-hmm. so for part-time workers, you take them out and you treat them in a separate category and you can, you do the same comparisons for those and for um, contracted, contracted or seasonal workers as well. So that you have, you have your reporting for your full-time workers, your part-time workers, and then anybody else who falls into any sort of different type of contracts. Um, so it does cover all bases and it covers the fact that, you know, it, it adjusts for the fact that that women do often opt into yeah. part time work. Yeah. And when I was reading um, a lot about, I suppose, reading through the reports, but also reading a lot about the reports, um, I suppose 
every single website I went on to, it kind of mentioned that the main reason driving the gap in pay in organizations included more male, more, more male commanding more senior and higher paid roles and women being overrepresented in more junior grades and in more administrative and support roles. And I'm really, really looking forward and it's going to be very interesting to see the 2023 results mm. because the companies, like you think what I'm thinking, the companies will have a comparison to 2022 results. So they will be able to show where they're making, whether they're making progress yeah. or if they're not, explain why. And that's mm -hmm. going to be the interesting part. So I suppose we only at the start of it and we, yeah. that legislation is very welcomed. I think everyone is every single woman and I think men there's a lot of men like that who are driving towards the equality as well so it's, it's very welcome but I think what the next year or two are going to bring is the key to it mm -hmm. and and like that some of the when I was reading through the report some of the companies as part of the report they I suppose they, they list actions or they commit to taking some actions and um, to kind of narrow the gap um, I read, obviously, through all of those actions on the, and the report I could find, now, subject to li my time limitations, I have a full-time sure, job sure, and, two, yeah. and two small kids, <laughs> so I can only do this job at nine o'clock, that's when I turn my laptop and I work on this, and like I do it until I fall asleep, <laughs> so, um, and I suppose a lot, of, there is a lot of in there, and um, some of them are, to be honest, a bit wishy-washy, they're not really indicating an action, but rather stating where they want to be as a company, mm. But most of the companies kind of go um, as the plan to focus on maybe monitoring talent pipeline, recruitment, sponsorship, mentoring. They talk a lot about inclusion and diversity, flexible working arrangements. And, and I suppose creating, they talk a lot about creating a diverse, female-friendly, family-friendly culture. And a couple of companies mentioned a family-friendly culture in particular. And I'm just thinking to myself, and I suppose this is a very complex matter, not something that can be resolved by, um, I suppose, introducing some sort of a program for a couple of months. But we're still living in the world where because of the way society is set up, women are still, when it comes to the corporate world, are in a slightly disadvantaged position, um, maybe play on the invisible wor word, they're quite <laughs> invisible sometimes. And so... I'm just wondering, what do you think needs to change in order to get that equality um, up? And I, I accept that some um, of it is going to take years. It's not going to be something that our generation is going to experience. We're probably not going to experience true equality. But I have my thoughts on it. Now, my thoughts are very heavily on the fact that I'm a mom of two young kids. So hmm. I'm really wondering what you... Um, you would welcome, I suppose, because uh, your choice is not to have children. Uh, sure. And that's, it's great to see that, you know, this is now uh, an accepted thing. Because mm. again, 50 years ago, it wouldn't have been. No. So, You're doing a freak on an island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I suppose, what are, what do you think would help it i don't i want to use the word resolve it because we're not sure. going to resolve it here within the next year or two but what would help sure i just the first the first way you phrased it was what do i think needs to change to <laughs> to fix this problem and i'm like we only have half an hour marcia <laughs> um 
<clears throat> so I mean there's so much in that um like in terms of like actually I'll go back a little bit and I'll say I read some of those reports and obviously they all have their they're they're required to like explain themselves explain mm-hmm. why they have these gaps and explain what their plans is and like that I thought I, I will be very interested to see the next set of reports and see if they've actually delivered on any of the things and like I I wholeheartedly believe like there's definitely companies out there who are committed to this I saw um I think it was I don't want to name the company in case I'm, I'm wrong but I definitely saw a company who had committed to like a 50-50 strategy and achieved it this year and achieved um, wow. some substantial line, landmarks on the way to that over the last couple of years. And I thought that was really impressive. But I'll go back to my earlier point of the biggest thing companies have to change is their mindset. And like cultural change takes a long time and leaders have to, like that is the job of leadership, right? Is to like recognize what you're doing wrong understand there's a better way to do it and plan your route to that better way to do it and like you know I can talk for ages about like the challenges of diversifying your talent pipeline or or all of that but like if you don't do those first three things Mm -hmm. then anything you put down as like your aspirational goals for changing and diversity equity and inclusion in your organization are I mean, they're not, they're just words on paper, right? If you're not Mm -hmm. actually committed to the change. Um, I do think, I think like there could be more support from government in resolving some of this. So like, Mm -hmm. obviously in the last couple of years, we have seen an increase in paternity leave and um, parents leave. And I think that, I suppose, like creating that opportunity, right? Because like you know this you've you've little kids like they're only really little for a really short amount of time like a really it, it, short amount of time. I know everyone keeps saying it it seems like ages <laughs> I'm so tired Janet but I'm in so ten, tired but in 10 years you will be went in 10 years when they're I asking know. you to drop you drop you off or drop them off like around the corner from the school you'll be longing for these days I know. Um, even now my five-year-old doesn't want me like when he when he takes a bath he asks me to leave do you know he's like he's a five <laughs> minutes of his own like no I'm not taking bath in your presence anymore <laughs> I remember the days when you wouldn't give me five minutes to go to the toilet you're not getting five minutes <laughs> yeah. to have a bath um and I think like especially like during the the pandemic it gave people the opportunity to experience those early years because we were all at mm-hmm. home. And I suppose this shift towards creating that opportunities, that opportunity for fathers to spend that time. But I do think there, there needs to be more government emphasis on that. And, uh, you know, there are, there are plenty of companies out there who opt in and decide to make their, their, paternity leave match their maternity leave that's not that is not a common thing yet yeah and it's you know some companies are going to have to be dragged to that point Mm -hmm. um and the more that happens the closer we get to that the less stigma there will be like this is all though social change right like this is changing a mindset changing the idea that the kids are the women's responsibility and like all of the unpaid labor or undervalued labor in society is women's. Yeah. Um, 
so it's really I don't have a clean answer for you. <laughs> what <laughs> no what's the answer <laughs> is we change the world. Like that's the that's the only alternative. And like well, we won't get there in our lifetime, but we will yeah. move the needle in our lifetime. And I think that's really important. I think it's important that you know that we and I that's not we as women, that's just we as people like make the decision to leave the world better than we found it right it's our responsibility to move it on and make it better for the next generation and they'll make it better for the generation after them and like that's what people did for us right people left us a better legacy than they had so it's our job to do to do that I really like what you said there because uh, this is exactly what this podcast is about first of all to talk about problems and talk about issues and I never aim to be negative about it but I truly believe that you need to talk about a problem in order to you need to name the problem in order to resolve it and like that I had before I started this podcast and then for a long time I was kind of looking for a platform to maybe voice my opinion somewhere and it just podcast it was never the goal but is it's just one of the things that everyone does now now mm-hmm. um, and I thought why not and just to move that needle as well because I know that I'm not going to change the world but if few people listen and make a bit of a change to their personal life or their work life it's, it's definitely worthwhile yeah. but I'm going to um, challenge you on that Marta okay you say go you're on, not going to change me. the world but it is impossible to exist without altering the things that are around you so by purely mm. existing the world is a different you purely existing the world is different and I love it but it's true right yes. like people yeah. people very often get caught up in really like heady problems and like if you're not here, the world is different. So just by being here and trying your hardest and doing your best and like trying to leave something better than what you found it, you are changing the world. We are all changing the world. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> no, my two points. <laughs> because I was really thinking very hard about this because I really wanted to like that I I knew I'm not going to find a solution but I just wanted to kind of I spent a good while thinking if I could name two things what would they be Mm. and obviously as I said earlier it's purely from a perspective of being a young mom and I suppose the family friendly culture and a lot of companies in the report said it and and I suppose taking even aside the fact that I had two children I had to take two career breaks that's Mm -hmm. what they are I'm growing a human being in my body and I need to somehow this human being has to get out of my body and I experienced the both ways it can do that and like honest to god six eight months is absolutely needed to recover emotionally physically mentally from the whole experience and mm-hmm. um, so even putting that aside that I have to take that career break and men don't at present are not encouraged to match even in any way, even if the men were encouraged to take three months break, that would even mm. narrow the gap. But putting all of that beside, and um, the family-friendly working culture, I simply, as a young man, I cannot attend meetings beyond 5 p.m. Because that's where my ch- children eat dinner, that's where I put them to bed, that's when I read them stories. I can't randomly come in and call at 7 a.m. And, and a lot of mom can't do that because that's when we're doing school drop-offs. I can't pull 12 hours working shifts constantly because I wouldn't see my children. Mm -hmm. So I suppose this is 
quite a subtle point because I do understand that nobody aims for being a mom as a barrier to your progression. And I know this is not intentional by anyone, not intentional by the companies. However, if not being able to work past five o'clock or if not being able to put 12 hour shifts you know, is a barrier to progression in certain firms. And finance will be a, quite one of those, um, I suppose, careers when mm. that sometimes is required. So even though you're not naming that being a mom is a barrier, by creating a culture like that within your company, you're kind of doing it because I'm not physically able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tell a lot of companies who kind of say that they're family friendly, and the the family work they they promote family friendly working culture but i'm not really sure whether they understand what a young man needs and really from that sentence Um, Mm and so that's my observation and the second one is about the flexible working and i kind of spend a long long time thinking how am i going to phrase this so i'm being understood well because flexible working without a doubt Flexible and remote working, let's put it all together. It's Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that came in recently and it's very welcomed by everyone. But a lot of times when I talk to people, um, the narrative is, oh, didn't remote working, didn't flexible working, did a great thing for mother. Oh, it did a great thing for working mom. Do you know what I mean? It's it's still, the, the narrative is a little bit there. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, if women are the ones who are working flexibly to attend doctor's appointment, vaccination appointments, or like school appointments. And also, actually, do you know what I've seen recently on TikTok? Everyone refers to working mom, but nobody refers to working dad. You're no. just a dad. And yeah. you, you're a working mom, but you're just a dad. And I suppose mm-hmm. women are not going to be equal outside the home until men are equal in it. That's another great um, quote I I've read online while preparing for this, and you know how much I love a good quote. Like Janet Lass, because I'm I'm all about motivational quotes, love them. So I, I suppose until flexible working is seen as a working dad thing, as much mm-hmm. as it is as working mom things, then I'm not sure whether this work, the flexible working idea is going to narrow the gap. Do you know, sometimes I feel yeah. like just having that narrative around working mom is, is not going to increase the gap a little bit as a, you know, great you can work but like what about promotion you know I I know I can work flexibly but what about promotion that's what interests me it hasn't been studied in in great detail because obviously the pandemic is not that far in our past Mm. but you know there are those that would say actually working from home um has put more pressure on especially during the pandemic right because because the world we live in, the majority in of childcare in the majority of homes still falls to the mother. So there we have two parents working at home, but one of them is still doing. And like there are countless studies, I don't have them to hand to quote, but mm-hmm. like there are countless studies that will tell you that men have more leisure time, married men have more leisure time and uh, married women have less and mm-hmm. women still do the lion's share of housework at home. And even even in relationships that are more equal, women still do do more because women are often project managing the home. So even if they're not doing it, they're reminding people that the the tasks have to be done. Like this concept of like. A man helping out around home, you're not helping, 
it's your house yeah. Like you're yeah. an adult who lives here. Like yeah, yeah. this is everybody's responsibility. Who babysits? Who babysits your kid? And like nobody does. Like you know, we just look after our children. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like all of that, like all of what you're yes. saying about the flexible working, like all of that comes down to like that societal change and that expectation. And I think it looks great on these statements and it looks great on this piece of paper of like we're this is what we're doing to promote um mm. diversity equity and inclusion and to to narrow our gender pay gap but like uh, what i would ask is how is that doing that like yeah it's the changing the mindset is, of it not yeah. just yeah. is like what is the thoughts i i would be interested to see what the strategic beha- steps behind that statement are or is it just the the surface level concept that parents want flexibility so flexible working is the answer to this problem and Mm. I would fear that that is how it's being used and I I would doubt that there are many organizations that have and I would love to see it like if anybody knows any organizations like send that information on to me and I would love to know you know if there are organizations out there that have like strategic steps in place how they are going to how they are going to use flexible working too narrow their gender pay gap because to yeah. me those two things i i don't see even, how even the fact that a lot of companies yeah even the fact that a lot of companies in that report use those things as a family-friendly working culture and flexible working as a action to narrow the gap to increase women's position i mean you know that shows itself mm. that companies a lot of thing a lot of times think that this is the solution to the problem yeah but like women are just taking more and more on them <laughs> do you know what i mean mm. like that that's what will um and as well those will... same companies will also use flexible working to attract younger employees to you know it's not mm. it is not an initiative that they're necessarily undertaking to address the gender pay gap or to address their gender balance or any of it it's a thing that they're doing because the market is driving them to it everybody Mm -hmm. regardless of whether they want they they have kids everybody has a life everybody wants to work flexibly so like is this just a market demand that exists that you are repackaging as an answer to your gender problem right i get it yeah yeah so we solved the problem here so on we this call. It, yeah. We said, yeah, exactly. There we'll you go. Up. We're changing Follow the world. <laughs> Change, yeah. Change, yeah, changing the world. Absolutely. Uh, Janet, thank you so much for uh, this this call. Every time I kind of start preparing myself for not every time. This is the second time. <laughs> I'm kind of one. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering what am I going to talk about for half an hour, forty minutes? Like, do you know what I mean? And then I end up putting things out so we are within the 40 minutes but I think there is a more to talk about the flexible working and the family friendly working culture and I am planning to make an episode each on both so one episode on family friendly working culture and then one episode of the flexible working um arrangements and I I have no idea how I'm going to go about it yet Mm. but I suppose I figure it out um that's the whole purpose of this podcast and thank you so much Jake have a lovely 
evening is nine o'clock right now. You too. Uh, so I hope you have a lovely evening and I'll talk to you soon, which probably going to be tomorrow because we, <laughs> we, we, we talk quite often. <laughs> we, we throw Kira in and, and that's about it. Okay, have a lovely evening. Thanks, Thank Martha. You. Take care. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and see you next month.